Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Founder Stories. I am super grateful that you are here today listening to this conversation. So thank you for coming, thank you for your time, and thank you for listening. Our guest today is my very dear friend, Jonathan Friedman, founder and CEO of DemoStack. DemoStack has raised over $50 million from Tiger Global, Bessemer Ventures, and multiple other angels and top quality VCs. So this conversation with Jonathan was a lot, a lot of fun. Jonathan is a serial entrepreneur, and we go into what he's learned from each individual startup and why this time is different. So if you're a new entrepreneur, existing entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, there is something you are going to take out and learn from this conversation. So grab a pen and paper, take some notes, buckle down, because it was a lot, a lot of fun. Jonathan, thank you so much for this conversation. I am truly grateful. And I'm very, very grateful for our relationship and friendship. Now, like I announced in the previous week, and if you follow me on LinkedIn, you'll definitely know, God willing, I'll be in Israel from May 22nd to June 8th. So if you are around, definitely connect with me on LinkedIn and, or send me a message. We'd love to meet up with you. And while I am there, we will be hosting multiple panels, events, parties, all for the tech ecosystem and tech community in order to, in order to foster more connection and to build incredible relationships. So if you're around, definitely let me know. We'd love to meet up with you. This recording is brought to you by the Goodness and Kindness Foundation. So if you're walking down the street, smile to a stranger, do a good deed for someone else. Let's all strive to make our impact in this world in order to make the world a better dwelling place for everyone. A little bit of light can dispel a lot of darkness. So go out of your way, give a little bit extra charity. Let's all try to do our part in order to spread more light throughout the world. Now, at the end of this conversation, if you did enjoy, please go ahead, subscribe, and leave a review. Hey, everyone. I'm super, super excited today to have with us a very, very special guest on Founder Stories. Today, we have the absolute honor to host our dear friend, Jonathan. Jonathan is the founder of a phenomenal company called DemoStack, and we're going to hear all about it, what they're up to, and the whole story around that. But I'm super excited to hear this is specifically about who Jonathan is, what his story is, how he grows every single day how he becomes the man that he wants to become and the effort that he puts, puts into himself that he's able to show up every single day as the, his best version. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. A pleasure to be here. You're welcome. It's an absolute honor. So Jonathan, you're a serial founder. You've founded multiple companies. Your current one is DemoStack, which has raised the $17.5 from Bessemer and multiple others. But what have you learned from all the startups you've built already so far? And it's almost like a, like a, a steer is going from one level to the next because every startup, you up-level yourself multiple times. What have you learned from all the previous experiences and each individual level? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a good question. Uh, there, is, there is magic in entrepreneurship. I think, you know, once you taste it, and I tasted it in a very early age when RC Cola came to Israel and I was like, I was amazed that it cost uh, one shekel, which is, you know, uh, 30 cents maybe instead of the regular cans that cost like back then, like a dollar and a half. So I was so amazed by that. And, and we, we went and sold it and I was 15. Nobody wanted to give me a job. And having done that and seeing how I can create thin money out of air was magical. And I think that's, once you taste that, it's very hard to unlearn because you essentially create a, you go from zero to one in a sense and you build something, you create value almost out of out of nothing where there was nothing before and nobody told you how. And I think that uh, that 
string has essentially throughout the entire career it stayed with me there is this little magic that happens that little deep insight or the little um a place where you as a little fish discover a big pond and you want to play with it and you kind of have to be playful in a sense and and come to it um so i think i think that's one the magic the second is like sales you always like in entrepreneurship you, you sell something and the sales conversation is a very interesting conversation to have with people because it's It's commercial on the one hand and it's very easy to go and and forget humanity but not having humanity in there is uh, is not good not for yourself and not for the prospect long term so how do you bring that back and how do you keep your values in there um, that was a big a big deal I think I learned and three that it's always hard you can up level every time you're like man I'm like 10x <laughs> better than I was this is and then you're like oh my god this is 100x harder again and So you're always behind and I think you know it's either maybe your ambitions go up or your expectations of yourself but I think you know I see it obviously on my small little example but I think if you'd ask Elon Musk if he's like you know much better after selling PayPal to PayPal or anything else he did before he'd be like no this is on the are there any so that I think that that's really holds true it's always hard um, yeah so these are the three things I would say wow is it that the job ever get easier? It doesn't get easier uh, it doesn't no I think in any scale you you since you dig too deep into the matrix right the hole you create here you dig in and you start being entrepreneur and you look at how things are built and it's just too deep to become easy you can't go back to the matrix and then forget the stuff and kind of take a red pill uh, or blue pill what I think is it's just you become a little bit more stoic or you're forced to you know you're, you're bent into shape I think I, I uh, to a friend I, I once gave an example of uh, it's like when a spaceship goes back from outer space you know and, and gets the atmosphere and you start having that compression and the heat right you see that crazy heat that's how it feels like you you're, you're falling at maximum speed in and there's like heat everywhere and wherever your shield is not perfect wherever you're you know you have a flaws as a professional or as an individual I think that's where the heat you know compresses even more and And bites on you and claws deeply and so you if you survive this ordeal you become stronger because you survive and if not you, you don't and a lot obviously you don't startups don't have a great ratio some close some you know quit some um, yeah so you almost have to become more stoic more stronger just to survive and then that, that helps but it doesn't become easier yeah for sure like you see going through one of the aspects of entrepreneurship is obviously becoming a better person because your I guess your losses are And your personal weaknesses are going to be exposed to your team and you're going to learn everything about yourself also what you're not good at so you obviously need to really uplift yourself and upscale yourself very very quickly if you want want to build a startup how have you found that that transferred into your um, personal life and what what are the some of the weaknesses that you came across on your journey that you had to um, work on Yeah, wow, you see it everywhere. Um, you feel at some point you look at your company and you, you almost like look in the mirror in a sense. Right? Like what you build, it's not only your, my DNA here, I have co-founders, so it's their DNA too, which is good if you have good co-founders because you kind of mix the DNA up and if they complete you in some senses, there's a balance there. But it's kind of scary. It never, it's always hard to look in the mirror right? and, and see what's going back, especially if it's a true mirror. Um, yeah, so I think I did, and I still struggle say with imposter syndrome right? a lot of times I'm like, hey, why am I here? Who am I 
to you know why, why should uh, um, now more than more than seventy five people you know why should they listen to me you know what do I know and what does my opinion matter what does it matter it's almost like I think a lot of time it was like why does my voice matter why should I have a voice you know and um, some people I think especially people that go to power a lot of times I feel. They have a big ego, or they want to be out there, and different things um, motivate them. I, I don't feel I'm I'm like that. I think I was I was not not, not a shy kid, but I wasn't um, like looking for limelight in any case or wanting to have like build an empire or stuff like that. I honestly wanted to build and, and connect, and so I think uh, finding the strength there to kind of be like, oh, I'm actually I'm I'm leading this thing now. So what does it what does it mean? What uh, what do I owe other people? Uh, what do I need to work on myself? How do I strengthen my core so I can do my job? And people should trust me and go with me because that's that's the situation right now. And finding that strength, I think that was a lot uh, a lot of work that did still doing. Um, and I think it just gets harder if once once you go to two hundred people, five hundred people, right? It, it doesn't get easier. Right. And I like what you said, like um, the imposter syndrome, in the sense that like everyone experiences it. And you know, sometimes it just I don't know if it ever goes away. It's more about like as you build up more, as you get more experience, you're able to build yourself up much more. It's almost like an ATM machine where you're constantly depositing within yourself and then you're withdrawing as you go up another level and scale up more, scale up more, scale up more. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you get that strength and you can look back and say like, hey, but I, you know, maybe if you have those doubts, you can say, hey, but I, I did build this. I, get the, I did get there, right? So that's not easy. So that helps a little bit. What helps? What helped me even more, I feel, was disconnecting a little bit. So the fact you're a CEO, co-founder, you have a big responsibility, what you say matters, but there are two things. First, you don't control everything. You don't control the universe. Uh, there's so many things that can that uh, operate without you and, and work without you and that you can't in, in control and, and even influence. So that, that, you know, it's very scary, but also very reassuring in another way. So that's one. And two is that even in a sphere that I do control or influence, say within the company, right? I can hire someone, I can fire someone, I can make a decision. Um, even those things, I'm not in charge of everything the company does in the day to day, right? I can influence it in a way. I can strengthen culture. I can do a bunch of things. It doesn't. I'm not saying like whatever happens happens, and it doesn't have anything to do with me. But it's not a direct influence. I'm an editor. There's so many talented people that work at DemoStack. That I'm like, oh my god, this person is. is you know, is amazing or, or she's amazing and, and, and they're working with, with me. And the fact that I'm CEO doesn't mean that I control everything. I make the best decision. No, actually, most of the time, it's like finding a very good person or team to handle it and getting out of their way and enabling them. Uh, a lot of times when I talk to, uh, to, to people, when I hire them, I say, hey, look, I work for you here. You're the expert. Um, you should know way better than me. I have a clue maybe or something that I, I don't have any clue. Um, but I will have questions. So questions, I think, is the biggest tool you can have as a, as, as a founder leader. Uh, it, it needs to make sense to you. Even in the smart, you know, smartest people should be able to explain the, the why and, and it should should make sense. You can't understand all the details in their head. But I, I tell people, I work for you. What can I do to enable you? How can you run faster? Or what do you want to achieve? And, and really try to get out of their way and, and give them the, the freedom and ability to execute and do their best work. Um, and I really, I truly, truly believe in that. And it helps me also relax as a leader. It's like, oh, I hired this person to do it. They are a very good person at, at this specific job. So what can you do to enable them? And and that I feel I can do, right? That's empowering versus like, how do I fix this? Or how do I do that? Which I, sometimes you just don't know, don't have a skill set. 
So then what do you find is your job as a CEO? Well, I mean, I really, I subscribe to this school of thought that, that I didn't invent it. It's uh, in many, you know, blogs and, and, and thought leaders. It's like three things. It's you raise money, you hire and influence hiring. And three, it's uh, our kind of boss culture in there too, which is, you know, hiring is the part of culture, but not all, be all and all of that for sure. And then, and then three is vision. You know, you get to live a little bit in the future like everyone else is like executives and and people and beneath you know and and, and trenches they're like fighting a good fight working a quarter working on the year um you're the one that needs to look a little bit up take their head look a year ahead two years ahead sometimes five years ahead right and have a strategy the more you grow your company i think the more you can live in that future I, i think jeff bezos once said um you know, in Amazon in later days, he was like, if I spend my time in the future, if I need to get back to the present, it means I have an executive that's not doing my job, right? So that's a very extreme version of that. Once you get to Amazon scale level, then I, I bet he was thinking about, you know, drones when people are thinking like, how do we make the shipments work and how do we increase our delivery rate and stuff like that. So so I, th- I think those three things are, are what a CEO uh, should be focused on. Yeah, that's culture, money in the bank and, and hiring. And I like the fact that you brought that focusing more on the future and, and obviously trying to be present. And if you have to be too present, then it means someone's not doing their job. I like that. I never heard of that before, but I definitely like that. So who is Jonathan? Like, how did Jonathan come to founding DemoStack, to starting his first startup with RC Cola back in the day and, and making money over there, to founding his other startups and then taking a trip to Trip Actions and being there over there? Where are you from and what was your upbringing like? Yeah, I was originally from Israel. I was born there. Um, then when I was six, I moved with my mom to Holland for four years. She got married to a Dutch uh, person there. And when we moved back after four years, I, I went back to Israel and kind of, you know, just continued with my life there in my army service. But after my army service uh, and the mandatory trip that everyone, every Israeli does to uh, South America, I actually want to study abroad. I think having grown up in Holland always opened kind of the world to, in, in my thinking, I was like, oh, Israel feels small. You know, if you see the rest of the world, you have like another data point of how things look like and feel. So I went to study in Holland. I uh, did my bachelor's, my master's there in business and, and finance. Um, and throughout, and when you changed to Wharton in the US and, and being kind of between US, Israel and Europe, so it was a very interesting tri- uh, triangle. Um, very different cultures, different outlook on the world. I couldn't it wasn't like I was like, okay, they, you know, here it's good, there it's bad, or something. I always was like, I wish I could combine this thing and uh, and 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 take because you just you, when you're immersed in so many different cultures, you just get, you, you take in so much. Anyways, I was an entrepreneur pretty much throughout the whole period. Like I said, I, in Israel, I figured out you can make money out of thin air. That's how it felt back then with the RC cola cans. And during college, I oh, I, I I came. We just I moved to Holland, which was a big move for college. Rather than in the dorm, we built uh, we. With another friend, we figured out that printing is cheaper in Israel versus Holland. So we printed stuff in Israel, shipped it to Holland. I sold it there to fraternities and different customers in Holland. Afterward, I started a company called Student Events, which was also during college. I raised money while I was uh, doing my master's there. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. It was really kind of the first tech entrepreneurship I did. It wasn't food related or anything like that. But I learned a ton. Eventually, we sold it to a Dutch company. And I moved back to Israel where I was thinking, okay, where are the best entrepreneurs in the world? I was like, probably Silicon Valley and Israel. And Israel is easier. So I moved back and 
met to became my co-founder uh, and at, at the company called Reactful that we started together. I was like, became my co-founder at DemoStack. Yeah, and then with Reactful, I moved to the US uh, to open up the business operations there. Eventually, had a buyout, and after I again traveled the world. This time to India and Nepal. Just remember, there's a world outside Silicon Valley where money matters, and you know, it's just like it, it, you have to ground yourself if you get this close. And yeah, I was actually raising money for a new company when I met the founder of Trip Actions, and he asked me if I wanted to start with a startup. And the opportunity lead, led me to build uh, Trip Actions Liquid, which uh, helped me see how you know a company goes from round C, D, E, and onward, and becomes a seven and a half million dollar behemoth, and see the executive, you know, war room essentially of that, which which taught me a ton. So uh, helped really helped me when I started DemoStack right after. Wow, amazing! It's amazing. You know, it's funny. Like we don't realize how much traveling has such a huge impact on us. It really opens our mind to broader perspectives, and to have you know being able to see different cultures and experience multiple different things. And like you mentioned, realizing that there's a whole entire world that outside Silicon Valley that for their daily daily paycheck, now whichever country they may be from actually makes a huge difference. It's such a different experience that could really, it helps us. It gives everyone so much personal perspective and introspection a lot. Yeah, it, it pulls on your axioms. You know, all of us run on a set of axioms and beliefs in our lives. Uh, and a lot of them you don't think about. You don't say like, oh, I, I treat $10 as nothing, right? I mean, if you live in, and you need to buy a sandwich for lunch and that sandwich costs 15 bucks, then, I remember, I remember coming from Israel first time. I was like, oh my God, what is this? It's so expensive. And now I'm like, oh, 15 bucks, cheap. You know, so that conditioning, I, nobody in my head went like, oh, Jonathan, you know, $15 is nothing for you now. It's like you, you learn it in the background. And then when you, and if you go to like place like India and then you order in a restaurant and you're like, oh, actually 15 bucks buys uh, dinner for two with desserts and everything. And people treat the money with respect and, you know, don't just, and, and 10 bucks is a thing. And it lets, lets you unlearn it because it's, you finally have friction in, in these axioms and the, the rug gets pulled under, under these. And it's always fun uh, because, again, it's like looking in the mirror a little bit. So you see what, what your belief system looks like. But it is helpful, I think. It kind of makes you a more rounded person and connect more to reality instead of your, in living in your head. 100%. And like it also helps because, like, in our day-to-day lives, we're surrounded by people usually that don't challenge us en- enough. Um, they usually, you know, have the same mindset as us. They think most of the time the same exact way. And this is our family. This is our friends. And like you said, we're not getting the actions pulled in multiple different ways. And when we're able to broaden our circle and experience other things, we're able to really start thinking like maybe it's something in my life that I shouldn't be doing anymore. Or why am I even doing something a certain way? Or why am I even having looking at this like with this type of outlook? Maybe I have to really apply something else to it in order to become a better person or to level up to the next level within my own personal development or whatever else it may be. Hamstad, yeah. The challenging is important. It's not never fun, but it is important. Once you do the work, it's like really going to the gym. You're not necessarily enjoying yourself while you're carrying weight, but the stress eventually does um, make your muscle or your internal, you know, your psychic muscle grow essentially. Right, it's the same thing like being a CEO of a, of a company or founding a company where you have to constantly pull every single muscle. You have to carry weight on the shoulders. You have to go through those uncomfortable times and you have to level up. So you're at Trip Actions. You're running a startup within a startup. You're able to get the experience of what it means to go from C, D, E, and eventually have a $7 billion valuation. But where did the idea for DemoStack come about? And you know what was that final push once you had the idea? Of, you know, you saying, you know what, I'm going to leave trip actions. 
I'm going to leave all these options on the table. Even though the company might go public in two years and you can make a windfall, who knows how many millions of dollars you probably could have made. What is the final thing that's saying that, you know, I'm just going to leave it on the table and go ahead and launch this startup? Yeah, I think what I saw in uh, TripAction was like how demand really looks like when the market is thirsty for a solution and there's market thirst, right? So you have to build the product right and do a lot of things, but you're also very lucky to see a pull from the market. Like you like tell people and you're like, their eyes really go, uh, uh, you know, light up. And there's, I call it signal. I think it's the most important thing for an entrepreneur to experience because there are an infinite amount of ideas. And ideas even that have been done before, you can have a new take on them, right? A very new take, not just like 10% better, but like, you know. So you're looking for signals. So that signal uh, that I saw when I built Tripact Liquid was there. And I was like, okay, this is how super strong signal looks like. So I had that. And the other experience I had was like, I really encountered a problem head on. I was, you know, I initially kind of when in the early, early days, we used our own production environment to show the demo and just uh, showed it, you know, internally and, and to a few like, you know, cab customers. Um, and that was all good, but quickly I couldn't do it anymore, right? You can't show real data. You can't, you know, it, it became impossible. And so I remember I was trying to solve this and I told my team, like, what's the, what's the problem? Just like, let's record a new, let's onboard a new customer. Let's onboard Pi Piper. Let's onboard Acme. And we did that. And then we had Acme. I was like, okay, mission accomplished. High five. But then we looked at this and it was still broken. There was nothing in there. It was an empty account. It looked way worse than the live demo we had before. And I think that piece really helped uh, me realize like, uh, okay, I need engineering to start working here. And when I put more engineering to work and try to build that demo environment, it still didn't look good. I couldn't get it right. And I was like, oh my God, I'm building, I'm building this thing. I put more and more resources and it still weighs off what I started with, but I can't use that because of data, because of access, because of different issues. And I had that aha moment. And I think that aha moment um, is an insight that once you have it, very hard to say no to. The insight was I'm building two products here two SaaS products. I'm building my expense management product, TripAction Liquid, and I'm building a showcasing product that in this case showcases this expense product. But I only have one engineering team and the engineering team is expected to build my real product because my customers want to consume it. And then inside, I couldn't shake it. I was like, I became obsessed with it. Um, and also from your actual days, I remember we had a really good demo back then. Like people were so excited to see it. So I tasted what a good demo feels like and how many doors it opens. Because if people get excited about what we see, they give the demo uh, a lot of weight because it's the real time where you show, you don't tell, right? And, and if I show a presentation to you, I can write whatever I want and, and add pizzazz and I can be a good showman or not. In a demo, um, you might discount it. Ninety-five percent would be like, "John, John is a great show person. I fine, you know." But what does he? What is he actually about? When I show your product, you know that products are hard to build. I I can add some pizzazz, and of course, if I do it in a better way, in a boring way, it's great. But you, it's hard to discount. It's a very true signal that people respond to, and so the inside that thing is held back by companies need to build two products and kind of get. Uh, not having the resources to do it, I wasn't inside, I couldn't leave. And, and eventually that caused me to, you know, quit my job and, and go build DemoStack. Uh, eventually I couldn't resist it. I even didn't know. I was like exactly saying that. Hey, why should I do this? Why do this to myself? I know what it means to be an entrepreneur. 
it's not easy. It's a love commitment. Like, why do it? Why not have a cushy job and work hard, build something cool? And I love what we built there. But yeah, eventually you can't shake it. You hear the call and you must follow. <laughs> it wasn't up to me. So what was the conversation like with your, your CEO of TripAction saying, hey, I came across this issue while working here and I really have this pool, this, you know, this pool that I can't stop thinking about this problem day and night. And I'm thinking of leaving to go start that startup. Well, I made the decision, you know, before I just thought, hey, I'm quitting. And I told them that I have this vision and I want to build it. And, you know, wished me good luck. Um, but I made a decision before I, I knew I didn't want to be convinced. I think that's the difference between doing it and, you know, else you might come to your boss and say, hey, I want to quit. Uh, and then they have a chance to convince you or whatever. But I didn't want to position that way. I was, you know, I'm going to do it. It took me a while to say, you know, but think, from thinking about it to actually start doing something about it. But once I made a decision, I was all in. And what was that first, first step you took right afterwards? Uh, first step was to set up a company, you know, raising, raise money. I think we had a very succinct pitch because the, the problem was so clear in my head. You know, we, we barely had a deck. And when I changed my status on LinkedIn, we got a lot of inbounds on that. And that, so yeah, we needed money, we needed capital, we knew what we were wanted to build and we were laser focused, you know, we wanted to, ideally, I want to replace the demo environment. I don't, I want, don't want companies to build demo environment. It doesn't make sense. If you have engineering power, build your own product. Be more you, bring your product to life. Don't build that demo environment. It will always be a side project for you. And it doesn't do you justice. Products are so hard to build. It doesn't do justice to have a side project where and where, where you have most people experiencing your product through this side project that, that leads you down. So that was a real passion. That was like I want to so, I want to celebrate products. Uh, so yeah, we, we really were focused on that. We have a mission. It was very authentic. And what we wanted to do so it was like okay, let's get capital. Let's hire the first people, and we blasted off essentially. Wow, I, I love the fact that like talking about this burning desire where you can't sleep. You can't eat almost. And all you're thinking about is launching the startup, the, the problem. You think about the problem, the problem of like, and how you have the perfect solution. And you're evangelizing the problem more and speaking to people, realizing more about that. You know, I love that desire. I'm sure there's another stronger word for it, but that desire to really create something. And it's one of the aspects of being a founder. It's not about like, okay, let me create something in order to make money. No, it's something that you want to create something in order to really bring innovation forward. And you know, offer something that you see the world needs that no one else has right now can solve so many people's problems and everything. Yeah, it's a, above desire. It's a, it's a calling. Like I say, it's a calling. When you hear it, you can't hang up necessarily. You become a bit obsessed. I feel like all of Jonathan decided to do it. Actually, some of Jonathan was still resistant. Like, really? Really? Is this what we... So it's like that calling is stronger in a sense. And I think if you, you hear it, you, you got to follow. You got to follow your heart. I would tell any entrepreneur, don't do it for the money. <laughs> probably even if you make it, you have a low chance of making it and meaning substantial money. And probably if you're most entrepreneurs I know are very talented and could make easily way more money finding a good job and going to a banking job or consultancy job or being a VP somewhere, you'll make more money and you can bank on that money. No, don't need to pension for money. Uh, it's really not worth it. And even if you do, the journey is takes out so much of you that without this calling, without this higher purpose, um, you'll either get lost or you'll be like, mm, screw that money, it's not worth it. And I would 100% say it's not worth it for the money. Yeah, it's, it's a journey. How do you know if you truly have that calling? Because right now, everyone wants to be a founder. 
and especially the crazy amount of money going in the market. And just in general, the new role models are startups and founders, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos. And how do you know if you really have that true calling to be a founder or it's more about like just fantasizing the idea of being a founder, which also a lot of people do too. I think it's easy to get confused and, and, and you don't know, but I think um, the first thing is like you go and do something about it. A lot of people love to talk about being entrepreneurs and they want to get in the game and they're looking for the idea that will sweep them off their feet. Uh, but other entrepreneurs, they go and do almost first and then they can't help themselves by not doing it. I think if you're there, that's a very strong signal. If you're actually doing and you quit your job, or even if you didn't quit your job right now, because you're really dedicating waking moments, you fantasize and you do something about, you don't go to meetups. You don't go, you know, only that. You maybe go to, very unless it's super targeted, but you build, you do, you talk to a market, you're trying to learn and tell a story that's very succinct that you really believe in. That's the first thing. And I would say, even if you have that calling, like don't fall in love with the doing, don't fall in love with an idea in the early days, especially even in late days, actually, because ideas and especially your first take on the market might be so wrong. And the main thing you want to look for is that amazing signal. Not like people seem to like it. No, people are like, I need it. Build it for me. I want to pay you like, OK, can you get it to me next month? You know, that's you want to have a response that almost like shocks you. Like, really, are you that interested in? What I'm talking about, that's amazing. <laughs> it's like, so fall in love with the doing, not with the idea or your take on it. It might change a million times. But if you find yourself doing and building and obsessing, you probably have the calling. So just make sure you you find a good place to focus those energies for uh, and don't fall in love with the first idea you thought about. That's right, because, you know, ideas are constantly going to you know, going to change and pivot. You know, I speak at the founder today. It's only a year into the journey. And he said, like, you know, the, the idea they're working on right now, the problem they're working on right now, which has a lot of success, thank God, is totally different than the idea they were looking at six months ago. Totally different. Yeah, it, it, it may change. And even look at Facebook, right? You're like, what can Facebook do different? Uh, but here, 17 years later, they're called Meta. They're doing Metaverse. Right? That's just one. Or Google, right? They start from a search engine. Now, what's Google do? A gazillion things, right? You can order a self-driving car with Google. So that's what I'm saying. I like think even in the in the best scenarios, right, the Google, the Facebooks, the, those kind of successes, it might still change. But the journey is the same. And even these people didn't have it easy at probably any point, not in the beginning. And even now in the end, right, they're criticized, they're in cameras, they don't have necessarily easy life, the scrutiny they're getting. So that's what I'm saying. It's a journey, it never becomes easier. And it's um, and you follow a calling and, and the why, why am I doing this? And yeah. And that money will never compensate for that. Amazing. Totally agree. So what happened once you launched a company and you've, you have your co-founders, you raised some money, what were some of the challenges that you ran up against? Oh, uh, wow. Every time you start from zero, every day was like, like the first employees, you know, why should they come work with us? It really helped having done Reactful. So we had a few people that were with us in that experience. Reactful never blew up, even though we had a uh, uh, buyout. It wasn't like you know, a company that blew up and was amazing, but the team was really, really, I think we liked working together and they, we appreciated one another. So it was easier to kind of go find some, that group, the same, you know, I think first engineer we got back then, or one of the first engineers became an engineer here again. Uh, and they took big risks. They, they quit their job uh, a couple months in 
to go on this adventure with us. So everything was hard. Well, everything. I mean, I always look back and I'm like, where did we start from, man? This is so... Like, you know, even I remember in Reactful how hard it was to just do the technical stuff. Sign up, get, on, get a company, sign up with lawyers. Uh, um, oh, you need a logo. I don't have a logo. Someone draw something, right? So, and now this stuff I did like super fast. Like starting in Reactful took us maybe months to understand how we registered and how we did it like in a day. We're super efficient and still there was so much to do. So I'm saying, like, I think I was, I'm a 10 or 100x better entrepreneur than I was at Reactful because the trip action experience in the middle, um, it was still hard. So everything was, was hard. I think the hardest was just finding the patient, understand what we want to do, be concrete with our vision, bringing it, taking the time to bring it to life and build something we really want to build. And uh, that wasn't easy. Uh, that wasn't easy to stay committed to that. You, you mentioned that, and I think it's such an important lesson, where every experience that we go through, it really helps us in the long run and helps us go through, you know, like we never know what experience that we, we go through previously would help us becoming a better person or help us in our entrepreneurship journey or whatever else may be. Say, for example, you mentioning your experience at Trip Actions, you know, I don't think you ever thought that your experience at Trip Actions would essentially help you become a better CEO when you're building your next startup. You never know a clue about that. Yeah, you never know. So I think eventually, you know, it's, it's a cliche, but there is a sense of follow, follow your heart in a sense, because you have no idea what the story is you're writing. You are experiencing it. I love Sam Harris, uh, who's a thinker I really appreciate. He says, you're not the author of your thoughts. Uh, right? You know, it's like uh, you don't know what your next thought is going to be. Sometimes you say, you say things and it is you, right? You identify with it. But it, so I think you're not the author of your life story, in a sense. You experience it together with others. And, and eventually, when you follow your heart, when you hear callings, when there is a desire, go with it. Go with it. And, and it's the same for you, I would encourage, you know, so for, for probably in, in parenting. I'm not a parent yet, but I think, you know, if you can release that for your kid, because you probably want them to do stuff. But eventually, they're, gonna, they're not the author of their life, too. They're going to go into a story, and you want to strengthen that. So... I think go, go with the passion. If you feel it, if you feel yourself drawn into it, you don't need to always explain that in words. You just, you feel it. It's nice if you have a story about it, but not necessarily go with it. And, and, and you know, later, sometimes, the, the, you know, you zoom out and you're like, oh, this is how it comes together. It makes so much sense. It's amazing because like really, it's really boiling down to saying like, how do I know I'm meant to be an entrepreneur? How do I know I'm meant to start a company? Obviously, yes, if you know you want to start a company, then go ahead and try it and don't be afraid. But a lot of times people are to question themselves. Am I cut out to be an entrepreneur? I don't know. Well, I think a lot of it, what you just said is like, if you really feel it, then also no one knows. No one really knows. You're also the only one that is living your unique life. Nobody comes even close, right? Even a sibling or mother or father, you know, they still, they live. Think about your specific life, the people you, you know, you know, your circle of friends, the food you eat, everything, right? Who knows what's, who you are, you're the only proxy and you barely know. Like most people say, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. I don't, right? And you're like the best, you're, you're it. You're the champion of your life and you barely know, right? So it's not a lot of signal you can get out of it. It's part of it. It's just like you go with it, you run with the punches and don't only always go, it's not, don't think about it as pleasure or pain. I think if, if anything, uh, maximize learning, like where can you learn the most where will you be challenged where do you feel that um you know the kind of the pain you want to feel like in a gym right where it's it's not pleasant 
but it's not it's not hurting. It's not like ripping up your muscle, right? Not that kind of weight. But it's not always pleasant, right? You go to the gym, you don't enjoy every moment, and when you every weight, like, ah, this is so much fun. You're not maximizing fun. You can't maximize fun. There's no, uh, there's no uh, mountain without a valley. It it goes hand in hand. So, uh, go for learning. Go for experience. Go with your heart. Um, go where you have desire and passion, where you feel alive, and alive can be pain as well. So, so what do you do when you when you have that pain? Um, when you have pain, I mean, first be be acceptance acceptance of pain. I think we're in a society, especially Western society, um, especially we're we're learning that you know pain equals bad uh, a lot of times. Pain is not good. Run away from pain, maximize pleasure. If you're suffering, that's not not a good thing. You know, I think that's also part of the painkiller pandemic, fentanyl. People dying of fentanyl and. Uh, we, we maximize like not suffering so much that it becomes dangerous, right? The, the pendulum is swung almost too hard. So first be accepting of pain. Pain is a legitimate feeling. Uh, it, it usually has a message. Um, be receptive to it. Let it, and let it express itself as much, as much as it wants. Observe it. Don't judge it. Observe it. See it. Ask it questions. Really be genuinely interested, genuinely curious, genuinely curious about the message that you're hearing and if you can do that and it's not always easy it's not i'm sitting here it's like yes this is what i do every time i also like i a lot of times experience pain i just want to run away with it go to my phone do other things but when i wake up i give myself that guidance and leaning into pain really once you give it a full an earful and you're really receptive to it it tends to just dis- dissipate and go away pain doesn't last pain is a lot of time um, clinging and not releasing, so it's like it's objecting um, reality. It's like you you're resisting reality, a certain something about reality, a message you don't want to hear, and you're not willing to accept it. And that's usually where where pain stems from. And so that message is important. And if you can teach yourself to be in there and think about it, like think that about that pain, like a gym pain. If you go to the gym, like most people do, that's why I give that example where you carry the weight. So it is unpleasant to carry that weight. It's not like, just accept it, just love it. You're never going to love holding 100 kilos and like exerting it. It takes out of you. So don't, but find that, find that calm place. Find yourself in the midst of holding that position. Or you, or in yoga is also a good example. You're in a position, it's very hard. But you find that calm within that, within that spot. If you knew that, I think that helps a lot in clearing your mind and, and not feeling bad because you're not like, oh, I'm feeling pain. That's bad, 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 bad. And the more pain you have, the worse you feel. And that can take you to a dark, dark place. Yeah, 100%. If I may add on to that, is that also knowing that everything is almost circumstantial to a certain degree. And whatever you're going through right now will pass. That will pass. And as much as you can think right now, like, oh my gosh, I'm stuck into this. How am I going to get out of it? You have to know that you will get out of it and you will come out of this godly stronger. And so it's also good to know that like next time you go through a similar situation, you can always look back on the previous situation and say, hey, I made out of it last time. I know I'll make it out of this time again also. 100%. I couldn't have said myself. 100%. Yeah. Life, it's all formal. All on this uh, weird rocky planet uh, circling the sun, you know. And I think a lot, a lot, something, a lot of the stuff that helps me is go watch anything about my favorite creators and, and say YouTube and seeing something about space and you didn't get the the vastness of what we're seeing out there and how, 
this little thing is, you know, it's it's such a small piece of a small pie. It's a, of nothing, right? It's just in a fly. It, it doesn't matter, but it's, it does matter. It's everything to you, you know, and that, that kind of reframing, I think, and where it sits on the vastness of things helps a lot. And uh, thinking how ephemeral things are, right? All of humanity existed for, but more than technology existed for, if I'm very generous, 5,000, 6,000 years. <laughs> you know, what is this? You know, what are we talking about? So th that stuff helps. Yeah, 100%. We're one small little thing in this whole entire universe, which we think revolves around us. Yep, exactly. So, so what are some of the non-obvious habits do you believe that have made you better as an entrepreneur? Well, the one thing, if I've ever become an investor, <laughs> I think uh, I would write in my term sheets that entrepreneurs that take money from me need to exercise uh, at least twice a week, right, or more. And and I, I'll pay it. I'll put it as part of my investment. I invest in uh, my entrepreneur anything they want. They can choose any sport, whatever. I don't care. At least, I think exercise, body, mind, it's absolutely connected. You are a worse leader of your company if you don't exercise and don't take care of yourself. And I think it's the one thing that can that is so clear, right? It's not like advice of like, strategize or read this book and figure it out it's like the one thing is like go out of bed <laughs> go to a gym take a trainer uh, or, uh, that's what i do right i, I find it hard to self-motivate to do it and i'm happy to skip so i, I took a trainer i'm paying a lot of money <laughs> and but you must you must for the company not, not even of course it's for yourself but if you don't have that you, you have less energy you're less happy you take things in a more negative way and that eventually hurts you and it hurts the company so I would say that habit is probably the most important. And next is like, don't be so harsh on yourself. I think uh, entrepreneurs are so competitive, want to take over the world. And that's okay. That's good. Find a way to harness that, uh, that competitiveness. Find a way to build something big and go for it and, and all that. But don't, don't, uh, don't forget. Don't forget that it's more to it. Uh, winning is one thing the balance that you need to you need to have balance on the on the other side the yin and yang kind of thing you need to keep that internal balance you need to find a place where people don't talk to you about work where you have an outlet where you can be vulnerable it could be therapy uh going to a therapist i i highly suggest it to anyone i think it's super useful a mentor a good friend but a place where you don't, can kind of take off that mask or that part of you. It's not necessarily ma masks makes it so that, that you're, it's not real, right? Or it's something you take off and you're like a hypocrite. No, you have that. But you're different people, right? I'm, I'm not one jaunt into anyone. I'm different uh, with my company, with my wife, with friends, with my siblings. So don't forget that uh, because you can easily get sucked in into this fractal of a thing and, and get lost. So... Remember that, remember that grounding. Yeah, that, that's such an important part. Such such an important part. I love those two things. It's so important. So then what message do we tell to young Jonathan, who's leaving university for the first time, and he has that whole entire world in front of him, and he's able to do whatever he wants to do. You become an entrepreneur, become a, a bum. What message would you tell this young 21-year-old? I would say, like, um, keep doing what you're doing, you know? Don't, don't falter. Do it, you know? Um, you're doing great. Just do it. Believe in your way. Go for it. I think I would also say, hey, don't be so serious. Uh, don't take, <laughs> don't think, uh, don't, don't they think so seriously and it's going to be okay. You know, it's all going to be okay. It's really, I think, um, eventually like almost like a, a parent in a sense, you know, just want to, you know, comfort your, 
kid and believe in their ways. I think, yeah. I think the thing, I, you know, I think always like in life, everything I took, I was like, oh man, this is the most, oh man, I got to get this right. That's the most serious thing. And this is the most important thing. Always turned out to be less important, less serious than I thought. <laughs> it's, there's always another thing. Everything I achieved until now, I'm like, oh, I take that for granted. And like, there's the next thing. So it's eventually like, don't worry about it. It's today. It's important. Tomorrow, it's not. Um, you know, Sam Harris again says two things I really believe in, and I probably say that to your younger self: uh, be a good person and pay attention. <laughs> and just, that's it. <laughs> be a good person, pay attention. That's it. Uh, go with that. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to be nice. It's free, and it pays off in the long run. And pay attention is like you know, just definitely listen more than you talk. Hundred percent agree with that. Love, love is the answer. It definitely is. Wow. Jonathan, I want to thank you. I feel like this is such a, like, first I could talk to you for, for hours, but second of all, it was such like a, a it, the time flew by so quickly and it was such a like, quick power talk, uh, quick to the point, full of power that I know thousands of people are going to benefit from listening to it, uh, myself included. And um, I'm obviously going to have to listen to this a few more times to really get the message and to contemplate and, you know, and to internalize it also. So first of all, I want to thank you so much for your time. And as it goes about saying, I'm here for Demostack, here for yourself and your family. I'm always here. And I want to wish you a ton of, ton of success in everything that you do and a lot of haslacha in, in Demostack and always, always get to hear help. So thank you. Thank you so much, friend. It was a pleasure. I think the time flew by so fast. Uh, it was great uh, geeking out and, and talking uh, the philosophy of entrepreneurship, I think. It was, uh, it was really cool. Thank you for that. You're, you're welcome. Anytime. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and you learned something that you're able to apply to your personal professional life today. Now, like I mentioned in the beginning, May 23rd, 6.30 p.m. in Tel Aviv, location, location to be announced, we'll be having an event called Cyber Night with an incredible panel of cyber founders. So come out, come network with your peers. It's going to be an amazing, amazing night. Now, if you did enjoy this episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. And if you have a friend that could benefit please forward it to them too. Thank you and have a great week.